Well, good morning. You know, we are closing a series today called Authentic Community. Authentic Community. We've been pouring through the book of 1 John, and we're simply saying, God, what would you have us to know about what it should look like to have community, but not just communing people together. Authentic community. Like your plan for your people to worship you first and foremost and then have it just spill over to one another. Authentic community. That's what we've been pouring through over the last nine weeks. And uh, today, John ends with an exclamation point. We're in First John chapter 5, 13 to the end. And he's simply answering the question, so are there any guarantees with this thing? Like, this is all really nice, and I'm glad we heard some great stuff, but I want you to know there's some things you can be assured of, exclamation point. What are those facts we can count on? What are those things that we can be going after in our life that can absolutely change our walk with him? Lord, may I grasp those assurances with all I've got. That's what we're going to be looking at today is some assurances, three facts, okay? So turn with me, if you will, to 1 John 5, verse 13. We're going to start there. we got ushers coming forward, and they've got some Bibles in their hands. If you don't have one, just raise your hand, and they'll get one to you, okay? We're going to walk verse by verse through this. So just raise your hand, and they'll get a Bible to you. 1 John 5, 13 to the end. All right, fact. Something we can be assured of. Grab onto this. Fact. You can know you are his child. You can know you are his child. This isn't arrogance. It's not presumption because it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon him and his work. But you can know you are his child. All right, let's open it up. Verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm writing these things to you, ones who are following after Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Specific target audience those who are believing in the name of the son of Jesus That's who he's writing to and he's saying newsflash You can know You have eternal life Absolutely hands down know it. Okay, so let's break it down here these things We're going to talk about that in just a second. It's a list of things. It's looking backward We're going to talk about it in just a second. I want to get this other piece out here though before we do it It's to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, those believers, we've talked about that, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you might know, K-N-O-W, absolute assurance, total certainty, no questions asked, you can know that you have eternal life. Eternal life. That you're going to be living with Him for all eternity. That you are going to have not just eternal nature, That we all have but eternal life You're going to be with god almighty for all of eternity. You're going to be celebrating him worshiping him Experiencing power through him. You're going to be literally Celebrating him for forever like think of the best day you've had so far ever in your life Multiply by a million and then experience it every day from then on That's eternal life with him We get to experience that with our Savior. He says, I want you to know that you have that. I want you to live confidently that you're with him. What does that take? Well, he said, these things have I written to you. So he wrote just a few things down to make sure we keep the summary. We go back to the beginning of 1 John. He's talking about everything he had written in the first five chapters, right? And so here's just a summary. If you walk in the light, 
as he is in the light, you will have fellowship one with another. Fellowship first with God Almighty as you're relating to him because you're walking with him in the light. And then fellowship with those around you who are also walking in the light. The true fellowship, right? There's that that word that gives me the creeps sometimes because it's so misused in the church, right? But fellowship is actually driven by walking in the light as he is in the light. Food helps sometimes, but walking in the light as he is in the light, right? That's what it's talking about. Is literally as we celebrate life with him, wow, can we have fellowship with him. Walk in the light as he is in the light, 1-7. Confess your sin. Yes, we all have it. If you come before him and confess, he's willing to forgive right then and there. 1 John 1-9. That we can keep his commandments. Those who are born of him keep his commandments. Chapter 2, verse 4. That we don't love the world. Don't get distracted by the stuff that looks good and feels good and shows you off, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Set that aside. Don't get distracted. Love God. Love others. Don't love the world. 2, 15 through 17. And then he says, strive for holiness. Abide with him. Chapter 2 at the end there. Specifically abiding in him in verse 22. This call to literally be able to experience a life with him. These are the things he's writing to us that we might know that we have eternal life. If you can experience this fellowship and this light, this confession, this hope, this holiness, this not being distracted by the world. He goes on. Love one another. Chapter 3. Right? In verse 11 there we see it. And then protecting the community. Pretty much all of chapter 4. We looked at last week. Lord, we can experience a richness with you. How can you know that you have eternal life? Well, if you take the summary of what John's saying. He's saying, know this. If you do what God's calling you to do. If you experience the life he's calling you to experience, oh, you'll know. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, you'll know then. Absolute assurance as we walk with him. That we're walking with him. Duh. That seems kind of obvious to him. That didn't seem like rocket science. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many of us get distracted though. And we start wandering away and we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we're not following what the scripture says. And we're going off on our own path. And it's pretty much the me world. And then we start saying things like, I don't know how sure I am about this faith thing. I don't know if I really grasp what Jesus Christ is doing in this. And I'm not even sure how much authority he has. And can you hear it? Our doubt starts coming in as we walk away from what he's called us to experience with them. I found this this week as I was looking up some details and illustrations. I thought this was helpful. Four types of people that are dealing with salvation, okay? Four types of people. You don't have to write it down, but just check this out. There are those who think they're saved, but they're not. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, talks about the wheat and the tares. We've got this problem of people believing That they're saved, but really nowhere near it. The second type of people is those who we think are saved, but they're not. 1 John 2, 18 and 19 talks about that, right? They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they'd been of us, they would have stayed with us, but they left us. They just blew off the doctrine and the ministry and what God was doing, and they wandered away. I thought they were saved, but, but they're not. There are those who are saved, but, uh, well, they don't act like it. They definitely have the Holy Spirit in their life, and they definitely have this uh, eternal security with God Almighty, but they're not living it at the moment. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about this believer who is acting and walking just like someone who's of the flesh. 
And then the fourth one is there are those who saved and they act like it. That's like the rest of the Bible, right? I mean, it's first John two, one through six to be specific, but all over the place. And I'm telling you, there's only one person in that group of four that K N O W's knows that they have eternal life. They've got salvation and they're living like it. God, I'm loving you with all I've got. I'm giving my all to you. I'm trusting in you. I'm letting the facts of who you are and the call of your holiness in my life affect who I am. My cry to you, my plea to you is this. From this passage, know this. The more we walk with him, the more we're confident about who he is. It's that simple. That you might know that you have eternal life. Experience it richly. So these works, these things we're doing, these thank you offerings back to him, please don't ever equate it to getting salvation. Salvation is about, Lord, I'm believing in you, faith in you, and that faith alone saves. Total belief. Now that faith does call us to action. A real faith is going to get the feet moving, okay? But salvation is in the faith and God's work in us. Amen? Man, we better be clear on that. That's a weak amen. Amen? Like, it is all about his work in us. Lord, may you continue that work in me now. I'm saved, and I'm running with you. And the more I'm running with you, the more assured I am of you in my life. That's what he's talking about. May the works in our life be nothing but an absolute guarantee of our confidence that God's at work in us. Okay, facts. They're helpful. They're helpful for us to work through. This past week, my, my wife served on a uh, jury duty, and uh, it was a coroner jury duty. Do you guys know what that is? Okay, like four people are nodding their heads. Like, I was clueless. I don't know what you're voting for. I vote that he's, he's dead. Like, I don't know what you're, I, don't, I, I didn't get it. I don't understand what's happening in a coroner jury, right? And actually, uh, Ted Miller was on the same jury, so we represented, man. Harvest had two out of twelve. And uh, it was a nice opportunity for uh, them to lead the way, and I don't know what happened. All right. So as they voted through these things, really, here's what happened. You get delivered some information from the coroner, who's an expert, and he's saying, this is what's going on, and this is why I believe that this is the cause of death, and we would label it this way. And then they end up using those decisions to be able to help out with things like insurance and legalities and all that kind of stuff. And so the people would actually say, given those facts, this totally makes sense decision made and then they move on well my question is are we doing that in our own life do we live that way i mean how many times could somebody actually say because of how i see you living your life and the fruit i see of god at work in you it's really obvious god's he's got you as his child you're saved and then how often is it even for us that we look at the facts and we see God working in our life and we literally say, I see you doing this and this and this. And Lord, I see you assuring me in so many ways with the depth of how you're moving and the way these circumstances were controlled. And I'm, I'm giving my heart to you. And hey, today was an off day and I was messing up. And Lord, please forgive me. First John 1, 9. And now I'm experiencing the confession and the relationship with you. And that brings about assurance. And I'm telling you, just run to him. And the facts will scream. You can know that he is the almighty God. And that you have eternal life with him. Amen. Please don't grab this assurance. If you haven't first grabbed the faith of knowing him. It's not ours to grab. This is strictly Lord. I'm making you my king. 
and I'm trusting in you. And in the midst of that, as he begins to work with us, we can know. That's what he's saying. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior? Have you taken that moment to stop, put a stake in the ground and say, Lord, you've got my attention. Please forgive me and use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I'm done with the sin. I'm walking away from it. Have you done that? If yes, then John was writing to you, right? Because he says, I'm writing to those who believe on the name of the son of God. You can know that you have eternal life. Grab that fact and run hard with it. All right. That's fact number one. Fact number two. Fact. As his child, you can come to him in prayer. As his child, you can come to him in prayer. Okay, here we go. Verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, that's an awesome verse, right? Nice confidence here. We can literally be praying and know that he hears us. And this is the confidence, the certainty, the assurance, the fact that we have toward him. That if anyone asks anything according to his will, if we ask what? Anything. If we ask anything. Now, is that all it says? That if we ask anything or is there a little qualifier? What's the qualifier? According to his will. Oh, yeah. That's a big difference, right? If we ask anything, Lord, I'd like a Lexus this afternoon by one o'clock, please. <laughs> According to his will. Oh, never mind. Right? It's not so much about what we own and what we have and what looks good and what feels good and what shows me off. And oops, I've fallen back into First John 2, 15 to 17, right? He's not saying pray the world's view of life and expect God to be your magic genie that answers everything. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, know this, if you pray according to his will, well, then God hears you and he's going to answer. He's going to answer yes. In fact, he says what hearing means. He defines right after it. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. We have a God who has a listening ear and it's he's listening, not like you're watching a football game and somebody says, hey, dad, can you help me with geometry? And you say, yeah, as you keep staring at the game and watching what's going on. Hypothetical example, of course. (laughs) Right. And you don't even catch that you said, yeah. Right. And then they sit down next to you and you're like, what are you doing? Like, it's the second quarter. This is kind of important. Right. And then you realize where you're really at. And like, that's not the kind of hearing God has. We as fathers can be great examples of God or bad examples of God sometimes, too. We have to be careful with it. When God hears us, it's not, yeah, 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 I'll get to you. It's like he's heard, he's locked in, he's perceived the absolute desires of your heart. He's recognizing where he's moving and where you're at. And he's literally saying, covered. Got that one. That's what hears it means, okay? We have a God who hears us as we pray with him. As we bring our needs to him and our hurts to him, as we bring our praises to him, he hears it all. And when all of us are talking at once, he hears it all. An amazing God with an amazing heart to love us and reach out to us for his glory. That's the according to his will. And we better catch that. So as we pray according to his will, here's the thing. A lot of people say, I don't know, I tried that prayer thing, it doesn't really work. Well, I can pretty much tell that if we go and we pray to consume it on our own lusts, Well, then God's not answering with the affirmative there, right? 
And what really is happening is he's waiting for us to begin to grasp where he's at. John 15 talks real clearly as we abide in him, as we spend time with him, as we relate to him, as we learn from his word, as we spend more time hearing from his Holy Spirit, we literally begin to be shaped to be more like him. We want what he wants. We love what he loves and we hate what he hates. And as we begin to adapt to who he is, as he begins to do that divine surgery of removing the muck out of us and leaving this pristine being who is following after him with all he's got and reflecting his character as he's beginning to perfect you from one degree of glory to the next, you start praying more and more in his will. And that's one of those things that we can kind of, it's like running up a sand dune. Have you ever tried that? Like you can make some progress and then you can start sliding back down and then you make some progress in it, right? And the more we do it all in our own muscling, the more you're just kind of going down and, and let God do the power work in your life to be transforming you. And you'll be amazed at what happens with prayer. As you pray according to his will, he's hearing you and he's responding. It's literally you saying, I so get where you're working, God, and I so want to be a part of that. I want to be there when it comes down and I want to see you moving and shaping and Lord, may it be about that. And if you need me to get on the playing field and be a part of it, then I'm there. Then let's do that. Prayer, according to his will, it has an amazing yes effect. And man, does it build assurance. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you been in those moments where you've got a sequence of prayers that just seem to keep being answered yes as you see what seemingly needs to be done and you start to pray and God's like, oh yeah, that's where I'm moving and bam, and you're, wow, and God's answering and then it keeps going and you see a second and a third and a fourth and, and then there's something you're like, maybe we should be praying for that and you're like, I'm not, I'm thinking that's not where God's going right now and, and you're sort of backing off and like, Lord, Lord, your will be done, you know, and, and, and it doesn't go that way and wow, does that build assurance as you start grasping God's loves, God's hates, and where God's moving, you can pray with him. And he's answering yes, and he's being glorified. There's no greater assurance than running hard with him. Okay. Next verses. Get ready. We're still in the pray piece. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death... He shall ask, pray, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that leads to death. Okay, so when you read a verse like this or a couple of verses, I'm telling you it's okay to go like this. <laughs> what? What does that mean? Like, that's okay. All right. It's okay to wrestle a little bit and go, I, I'm not sure I grasp what God is saying by this and, and take a little bit of time. And then to say, I'm glad the pastor has to preach on that on Sunday and I'm not having to talk about it. Right. So what is these verse, what do these verses mean? All right. I've spent some time to look through it. I think it's actually fairly clear. We just have to be a little careful with it. All right. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. Let's just summarize it like this. We get to participate in life together. And we can pray for one another and long for one another that we experience God at the highest levels. And as you see someone wrestling with sin, to be praying for them and hungering for them, to be able to lay that down, have God do some divine surgery and removing the desire for it even, and literally seeing them changed and going after him for his glory. Pray for that. Be a part of that. 
long for that. So what do I do when I see somebody sinning? Well, definitely prayer is a piece of hungering for them that they get through it and be praying for them that God would work. What's God's answer going to be in it? Well, literally, if he's working with his believers to make us more like him, right? Second Corinthians three to grow us from one degree of glory to the next. That's his plan. Romans eight to conform us to the image of his son. I'm telling you, you're praying in accordance with his will. When you say, Lord, help shape that person to you and may this sin be let go of. It's not wrong to be praying that way. It's very strong coming alongside of and man, are you agreeing with God's will in it? Okay. But Tim, it says the sin's not leading to death. What's that mean? All right, let's cover the next sentence with it. It says there is sin that leads to death. I don't say you should pray for that one. I don't say you should pray for that. Okay, what's he talking about? Let's be really clear about sin for a second, all right? I got to be honest, our American culture, uh, we treat sin pretty lightly. We're like high on the grace of God. And, and there's reason for it. God's grace is amazing and stunning and incomparable and totally worth being with him for but we really have to be careful his holiness is amazing too amen and and as his holiness is supposed to be impacting us man we better be all about the holiness in our lives as well not that we're just muscling it you've heard me say that word over and over again don't just go off and try to check some boxes but lord literally change me so i want that i'm about that you've removed the desires from my life You've done some divine surgery. Okay, so here's some things to know about sin. First of all, some foundation statements. Generally speaking, all sin does lead to death, right? You see that in Genesis 3? You see it in Romans 5. That, that sin, Adam's sin and Eve's sin, led to physical death. Okay, so all sin does generally lead to physical death. All sin also leads to spiritual death. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is, for the wages of sin is, yeah, thank you. Okay. So there is physical death and there is spiritual death that comes from all sin in general. And we better admit that and be ready to recognize that in our lives. That's our need for a savior. Okay. So I've accepted Jesus Christ as my savior and I'm now running with him. Is there still this risk of some kind of physical death? Is there any example in scripture of it? And actually, there are a few examples. So let me just read a few to you. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 to 30. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 to 30. You know, this is uh, Paul talking about communion. And uh, he's speaking to the believers who were somewhat misusing communion. In fact, communion back then was uh, a little more than just a wafer. You know what I'm talking about? Communion wasn't take the little square tablet. <laughs> It was, you know, there was bread, man, and there was like wine, and, and there were guys who were just hoarding this stuff in, and there's like breadcrumbs falling all down them, and, and the guy next to him's like, that's totally disgraceful, isn't it? You know what I mean? And they're not thinking about their sin, and they're not thinking about who Christ is, they're just hungry, and they're just thriving on getting the food. And in the midst of going after that food, they, uh, well, they have a very low degree of view of sin. And his statement is, anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. You'll hear us every time we do communion to say, let's just take some time to reflect. Let's lay our sin down before him and let's be real about asking for forgiveness and let's get clean before him. But we'd better park on communion for just a second in time on our sin. 
And get off of that. It's about him and his glory and his unbelievableness as our savior. But it is important to get clean. He says, that is why many of you are weak and ill. And some have even died. Let that settle for a moment. There is an example in scripture of, I don't take sin seriously enough and it has physical impacts. There are other examples. Uh, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, right? I'm going to lie about how much I'm really given and I'm going to make it look like I'm given a little bit more and it's shortened to life. 1 Corinthians 3, 17, God says, if you destroy your body, the temple of God, then he will destroy you. Man, these are harsh words, right? Well, what's really being said about it? This is what's being said. It's all about God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It's always about bringing God the glory. And in the end, there are times where God looks at it and goes, hey, there's not much glory to be had here anymore. It's time to bring that one home to heaven where there's going to be some serious glory had when I convert that one into unbelievable perfection. Like sometimes the glory can't be had on earth, then I'll get the glory this way and brings him home and bam, perfect. And everybody around goes, whoo, that was a big change, right? Like that's what's being said here. Like God will be glorified in the end, period. And we have a chance to be doing some glorifying of him while we live for him and let him change us as we run with him and abide with him. Or he might be taking us home with a shortened life a little bit. Well, which sins are these, Tim? Give us the specific five. I'm a little afraid right now. Okay, I just want to be clear with you. There isn't a detailed specific as to what they are. So that means definitely one thing. I think it means the readership here knew what he was talking about. It also means that I don't. There's less specific here. I can tell you that I probably would go with it has to do with some sort of prolonged, unrepentant, pretty horrible, grievous sin in your life. Where God's not being given the glory. And in that process, God's saying, I mean, we already looked at three different examples, very different from each other. But in the end, they had to do with a horrific misuse of God's grace and an unbelievable abuse of his holiness. Man, we better realize that God's real on sin. Amen? Yeah, that's a good somber amen. I mean, the bottom line is these verses aren't necessarily the most fun to see and hear. But boy, we better hear him. It is about running after him. It is about glorifying him. It is about him being shown off. And it is about us living in a way where we say, Lord, I know I'm not perfect. First John 1, 8. If I say I'm without sin, I deceive myself. But I do realize that you're willing to be pro- moving me along in a progress. Where you're literally going to be changing me from one day to the next to look more like you all for your glory. And Lord, may I be going after that. He says, look, if you find somebody that's in a sin where God's will is simply to say, bring them home early. That's the only way we're going to get glory. Please step back from that. A James McDonald phrase here. Don't get between the hammer and the work. That's a good way to say it. It's a nice way to understand what's being said here. Lord, please help me to be able to be praying for and rallying around my brothers and sisters. And Lord, may we all run together for this look of holiness from the inside out. Change us and transform us. And where we don't get it and where we don't understand it, just show me tomorrow what I didn't know today. And Lord, may I be ready to run after you. That's a walk with our Savior that literally leaves you sure of your faith. Amen?
hey, we can be assured of our run with him and our prayer with him. You can literally have such a strong prayer life that you grasp where he's moving, that you see his will in this world and that you can grasp what he's going to be doing next and what he wants to be about next. It's not that you're a prognosticator. It's that you just grasp where his glory would be shown off. You know what I'm saying? And there's times where we're like, God, I'm thinking this would be an unbelievable glory moment for you. And he's like, it would be, but I got a bigger one. And then we're like, never mind, right? And we have to let our prayer kind of fade down. And so our prayer is always just as Jesus prayed. Lord, this is what I'm thinking, but, but not my will to be done. May your will be done. Praying according to his will. And watch God move. We have an unbelievable privilege to be at the feet of the one who runs the universe. And he wants to be called daddy and spend time with you. Be there with him and take advantage of it. It's a great privilege. You know, I used this illustration before a couple years ago, but it's a powerful illustration that captures it all. So I'm going to use it again here. Uh, there was a woman, Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary in Zaire uh, a number of years ago, decades ago. And uh, she was working in an orphanage, and she was working with children. There was a woman that came in who was pregnant and sick, and she wasn't doing well. And that woman ended up uh, giving birth to a baby prematurely. And, and this baby was not doing well, and the mom wasn't doing well. In fact, a couple hours after the birth, uh, the mom passed away. And the kids were in tears, and Helen was trying to figure out what, what God is doing here. And, and she kept thinking, it seems like the life of this little one was so important to the Almighty to be showing off his glory in some way. We need to make sure we're doing everything we can. And we need an incubator for this premature baby in Zaire, in the back country. Where are we going to get that? And so we can build one makeshift. And so she turned around and looked for some stuff, and she said, look, kids, we're short one thing. We need... Well, we need something like a hot water bottle. That's what we need. So let's just start praying. And so she rallied all these kids together and they all started praying that morning for, Lord, please bring a hot water bottle. That's what we need. A hot water bottle in Zaire, Africa. Please bring that, Lord. And then one little kid chimes in and please bring a baby doll for this little child so that when she gets better, she has something to play with. Okay, that's the prayer going on. And Helen Rosevere's like, that's what I started. I hope, God, what are you doing? And, and that afternoon, afternoon, a package came. And they began to open it up and go through it. And it was clothes for the kids and all these different things, different sizes for all these kids. And, and in the middle of it, halfway down, as all the kids are rallied around and looking like intently, she opens it up and there is a hot water bottle. And one of the kids just dives in and starts digging deeper like, what are you doing? I'm looking for the baby doll. Right? And she ends up finding it at the bottom. There it is! And she holds it up. One baby doll. One hot water bottle. That shipment was sent five months earlier by a church stateside who was just praying, Lord, we don't know what we should be doing and we don't know what's needed and help us to understand. And, and they're rallying these clothes together. And some guy walks in and says, here's a hot water bottle. And they're like, What? Whatever, just put it in the middle, you know? And somebody else brings a baby doll. And they're like, here's one baby doll. And they're like, well, that's great, but what about all the other kids? I don't know. I'm just thinking one is what's needed. And they dropped it in and then prayed. God works in prayer. Sometimes he's asking you to just be on the sidelines and be an unbelievable prayer and be a loud cheerer as God's working. 
Sometimes he's asking you to get engaged, to be on the playing field, to be a part of it. But God's moving in this world and he is moving with a will. Amen. And we can be a part of his plan. There is nothing that brings assurance. Can you imagine the faith of those little kids? Can you imagine the faith the next day as they start praying? Well, what are we praying for today? You know what I'm talking about? Like God's moving around here, man. We better be praying. That's what we're talking about. You have a chance to participate in relationship with the almighty and see him move. Let him rock your world. Get involved in prayer. Yeah, thanks, Bart. Bart's our lead clapper. Everybody follow Bart. When he claps, you got to clap, man. All right. So another illustration just real quickly to make sure we tie this together. World Series Game 6. Now you clap? Oh, that's sick. Okay. Okay. So World Series Game 6, I'm watching it at home, my family's all asleep, and I'm watching, and they're down by two, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But we get to the top of the ninth inning. All right, I'll admit it. I fell asleep (laughs) in the top of the ninth inning. And I'm like, I really, I cared. I was watching, and I fell asleep with the remote in my hand, and I woke up with it still in my hand, top of the tenth inning. And I wake up, and I see who's batting, and I'm like, oh, they're still batting. Okay, I didn't miss much. Good deal. What's the score? What's the inning? And now I'm watching more intently. You know what I mean? I missed the whole comeback, tie it up thing. I watch it all the way down to the bottom of the 11th. Jack's that home run out of the stadium. And let me tell you something. It was not quiet. Did you know that? Like they erupted in cheers. The team went pouring out onto the field and rallies around the home plate. And there is this huge celebration of millions of people all over the place as a guy hit a ball out of a park, right? Like, come on, we have a God who hits the ball out of the park every day in every way. And it is such a privilege for us to be that you could be asleep on the couch and have to watch it on DVR tomorrow. Or you can be playing and praying right now. Like I'm telling you, get engaged. Do not miss the opportunity to see God be worshipped, to see him be glorified as he moves in this world. Lord, what are you doing? What do you want me to be a part of? How do you want me praying? Look for it, hunger for it, so that you can be the one to go, yes, I saw that, way to go, God. And you want to be that person. You don't want to be the guy going, wait, wait, what happened? Can I get that on DVR? Like you don't want to be that guy. Catch the opportunity of a relationship with him in the moment. There is nothing to build your assurance like that. So question. What is it that keeps you from praying? Think about it for a sec. The busyness, the schedule, the tired. The... There's nothing more important than spending some time talking to your daddy. Get with him, talk with him, praise him, and ask of him, and experience an unbelievable assurance, the fact that you will be heard. Amen? That's our God. All right. Second fact was making sure that we as children understand we can come to him in prayer. Third, as his child, you can trust him to protect and instruct you. 
as his child, you can trust him to protect and instruct you. All right. Let's just walk through this last part of chapter 5 here. He says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that everyone who is born of God. How many? Everyone. Everyone born of God has this guarantee. They will not keep on sinning. Now, i got to tell you, some translations actually say here, everyone will not sin. And there's, there's an accuracy to that and a little bit of inaccuracy. So just be careful. Make sure you understand this. In the original language, it's sort of this ongoing continual, sort of implied. Okay? And so when you say sin, it can be in the present tense ongoing. But that could be misunderstood, too. We know from 1 John 1, 8 that we sin. If we say we don't sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. So this word here literally is kind of in the ongoing sense. They will not keep on sinning. You will not be all about yourself and never seeing any progress or change. You will be in some ways increasingly becoming more like Christ. Over time, he will be making changes. That's a guarantee. And you will look more like him. Now, here we go. But he who was born of God protects him. There's a couple of pronouns and we got to be careful with this here. Okay. He who was born of God, the was born. That's like a past tense done and over. There's one of these singular. He was born. It's Jesus Christ. The one capital O and E and Jesus Christ protects him. All the others, those who are born of God. Now you and me, we are protected by Jesus Christ right now. Did you know that? He's not just hanging out up in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's protecting you. And the evil one doesn't get to touch you. We literally have a God that protects us. I mean, we talked about this last week, right? In James 4. It says, if you submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, he will flee. And it's not because you did the mighty flex and you look so awesome as you do it and the devil's running from you. It's not that. It's the God standing around you and behind you saying, oh, you're out of here. That's who he's listening to. He's protecting you. We're told in 1 Corinthians 10 that there is absolutely no temptation that's going to take you. But that which is, first of all, common. And second of all, and he will provide a way to escape that you can bear under it. I guarantee you this. You're covered. You're protected. Your king has your back. That's what he's saying. Your king has your back. We know that we are from God. So we've got the life of Jesus Christ in us. We're a light in this world. Whatever metaphor you want to use, we literally, as we walk around, are different than what's going on in this world. Okay? We are from God. And and the whole world, opposite, lies in the power of the evil one. There's a war at hand. You're protected. There's a war at hand. He's the reigning king. It says, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. He's literally tore the veil off your eyes. Second Corinthians four, so that you can grasp and understand the truth of who Jesus Christ is. He has said, I will absolutely help you understand as I draw you, as I literally change you and inform you so that you may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. You don't just have this casual relationship. You didn't just shake hands with him at some point in time. You literally have this depth of relationship. You are in him. He would call you his son. The father would. 
And Jesus Christ, you're his brother. Did you know that? You've got an unbelievable big brother who has your back. And he's informed you of who he is. We are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. There are many little G gods. Not one of them has any power or authority. There is one capital G God. He is the true God and you can know him with all you have. My prayer for you is that you grasp that deeply and richly and powerfully. When we talk authentic community, it starts right there. That's what we're talking about. The true God and life forever with him. And then he ends with a warm and touching sign off. Keep yourselves from idols. He doesn't even say sincerely or, or, you know, I can't wait till I see you or I'm bringing a few friends with me and man, it'll be good to hang out when and little children like one's dear to my heart. Keep yourselves from idols. You know what? Here's the key. That little phrase, the summary of first John really in many ways, like Lord, may you have the center of throne in my life and nothing else. Oh, Lord, may I go after you so powerfully and so passionately, so vertically, so on fire for you that nothing else distracts me or has my attention. Nothing ever keep me from those idols. That's what he's talking about. As we pull it all together in the end, we have an absolute fact that he protects us. He informs us. He trains us. He is our God, capital G. Amen? Man, may we run hard after him and experience him with all we've got. We talk about authentic community. Hear me on this. I want so badly for you to be so on fire for him that you've never experienced such satisfaction in your life. That's my prayer. I want for you right now and right here to be able to say, I'm going after this thing. Like, like, like I don't know what it meant. I, I haven't experienced that totally. And I want to be assured. I'm going to hand him over the keys to my heart. He's going to be Lord in my life. Lord, you've got my attention. Father, may I drink deep of what you have for me. Spend time with him. Time in his word. And I've said it a million times, not just checking the boxes, not just running through the rituals, power time in that word. Like, Lord, I'm here to meet you expectantly. I'm looking for that hot water bottle or that baby doll, like that much expectance. God, you said you'd work through your word. Here I am. Teach me what you'd have me to know. I'm hungry to know where you'd have me move today that you might be glorified. If each and every one of us does that authentic community. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.